everyone. Welcome to this episode of the 10K Media Podcast. Today I have with me Austin Gunter, who is the principal uh, consultant at Market Model, which is a new company to help you with your go-to-market strategies if you're a tech startup. Austin, how are you doing? Hey, Adam. I'm great. I'm looking forward to chatting today. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. It's been been a little while. You're over in San Diego now, moved down from San Francisco. How's How's life over there? Yeah, it was it was tough to sort of like leave the epicenter of tech and SF, but um, it's a three hour round trip and I'm a little bit of like a, a reptile. I just need a little bit more sunshine than San Francisco allows for you. So, um, yeah, I made the move uh, into 21. Yeah. And those those golden handcuffs for San Francisco aren't there anymore as much. Right. Like everyone's a lot more distributed. It sort of was like a university for tech. Right. For a while, everyone at least had to go for a couple of years. But now it's not not quite as true anymore. I feel like um, I, th- I feel like you you still need to go like in a lot of ways do your time like have something to show for um, for your work. It's less about a resume and more like um, have you have you like been in the machine or been in the factory or whatever. Um, and I there are there are meetings that I could have had in, that I could have in person much more easily now being in in San Diego. But um, for me, I I like any trade offs I think are worth it just for my day to day quality of life. Well, very good. Well, let's talk about some of this recent work, get right into it here, because you recently started this consulting uh, company called Market Model. What What's it all about? What, what kind of problems are you trying to solve for companies? And I is it particularly tech startups or can it be any startup? And, and what's it all about? Yeah. So um, my background is like, you know, in, uh, infrastructure tech, DevOps. Um, and then more recently, I've done a lot of AI work and security has has cropped up a little bit in the last year. One of my clients right now is actually in the logistics space, which I'd never worked in before. But the frameworks that I've you know picked up or or you know made along the way work. Basically, the name market model is is like uh, points to what I'm trying to do. Um, you and I have worked in a ton of startups. Hopefully, people that are listening to this are either founders or have worked in startups. Like uh, founders usually have a technical or a product insight about something that they that they think the world needs or or a part of the economy or a part of a tech stack. Um, and um, you know they get they get funding because they're cap- they have that vision and they're capable of like building the product out. And then what happens after that is they um, need to strap on this marketing and sales motion afterwards. Founders usually uh, know how to sell sort of instinctively. Um, but what I found um, through working at a lot of early stage companies was that marketing was like one of the areas that founders were had the least exposure to and also often um, didn't value as much. And I think that's really fair. I think a lot of marketers, um, like they want it like they're they're focused on brand as opposed to like leads and generating pipeline or, you know, whatever. Um, and then the fact that marketing is actually like relatively complex as a discipline sort um, it's like poorly understood. And then also like somewhat nuanced. And there was so much work that I, I had this string of like early stage companies where I was like the first marketer in the door and my ability to be successful was so heavily predicated on how much 
the CEO was leaning in or already had experience with marketing. Um, like Richard Lee at Ambassador Labs is like one of the best executives that I've ever worked with. Um, and he really just like taught me so much of my time there. He knew a lot about marketing already. Um, and he hired me before they had uh, total product market fit because he wanted to build the email database up and make sure that when they were actually ready to turn on the lead generation machine, they had distribution ready already. Um, another good example of a founder who really leaned in, in my opinion, was, was you know, who you and I worked with at Kremlin was, was Colton. Um, he would joke sometimes about how um, like marketing was actually way, like as an engineer, marketing is way harder than I thought it was going to be. So what I've started doing now is I break off these like about three month engagements. And what ends up happening is people end up wanting me to stick around for longer than that. But um, I do like a two to three month engagement where I um, come in to help the founders take their vision for how big a market is going to be like your, you know, like your billion dollar market that you sell to your VCs. And then I, I break that down into like, how are you going to get your first million, your first five million, et cetera. Um, and I like, you need just like product marketers always call it the ideal customer profile. I break that down and then I build a financial model around that. So you're taking this sort of like um, qualitative, like messaging and problem statement and positioning. And then you attach that to a lead and pipeline goal. So then marketing starts to become concrete. And after, you know, my goal is after working with founders is one, they've got a foundation to empower their first full-time marketing hire in a way that, that wouldn't have existed otherwise. And two, um, by working with me, the founder gets sort of a crash course in how to manage marketing as a function so that they're a more effective executive and they can be more aligned and have better conversations with their marketing and their sales team as they start to scale their business up. So marketing model is, is coming in early before that that first major marketing hire typically for the company I've come in at a couple of places that's where I, that's where when I started the business where I thought I was going to come in the most um and that's where um it's sort of like how early do you catch problems you know um there was another company that I was working with for a while last year and this year that um that was later staged they'd raised you know more money than that um and they had gone through a couple of iterations of their marketing team um but they they weren't scaling past where they really should have because the product was incredible is incredible um they hadn't scaled as much as they should have because they hadn't gotten a lot of their product marketing and that core stuff put together. So I was coming in um, in a lot of ways to kind of like help them reboot that so they could actually realize the potential of the product that they built. Yeah. Um, you know, so I can like, it works in both instances. Um, but obviously if you catch it sooner, then you save the pain and you don't burn as much capital. People are obviously in this climate concerned about costs. They're cutting down on the amount of tools they're using. They're being a lot more picky. Um, so budgets are tighter, right? And in a way, using a consultant can be a quick way to get some things moving without fully investing in a hire when you're not maybe necessarily yet ready for it. There are startups that are happy to have these options where, you know, you can get someone onboarded quickly who has expertise and you can absorb that expertise um, and really build a lot of the core blocks before you bring in that that full-time hire and maybe even you know months of overlap and who knows i mean maybe 
it goes on into the future. I don't know if you see like if there's a handoff point or if you think market model stays involved, you know, for for longer. But just fundamentally, I'm seeing even with, you know, because I'm in the PR space and PR consulting has been a thing for a while. And obviously, so is marketing and there's marketing agencies. But I feel like particularly in the spaces we've been swimming in, like DevOps and stuff, it's becoming more common to to offshore events consulting. Like our friend Carly is great. And um, so what, why do you think that is? Do you think you're part of like a broader, I don't know, climate shift in embracing consultants in a way that uh, people weren't before? I think there's a, it's a really good question. Um, and it's something that I, I started this business, um, but, you know, last year, late last year, but I've been thinking about it for three or four. Um, and one of the things that I think is really shifting from a marketing perspective is one, marketing is getting more and more technical. Um, and so, you know, and I come from like, I got a degree in writing and I work in, I work in high tech. I understand it, but nobody ever wants me pushing code anywhere. Right. And I've never, and I've always hired the really great operations and, um, performance marketing stuff that I, that I try and support with strat, like the strategy and the direction based on the product. Um, I, I just had this instinct a few years ago that you've got these like technical founders, they're going to be able to create if they want to, a lot of the, the marketing systems that you need. And so a lot of the, like just because every, like, because technology keeps scaling in the same way that you need fewer resource, like technical resources from like an infrastructure perspective in order to like ship your product. I think you also need fewer and fewer people. Um, and I read this article, I'm pretty sure it was from Paul Graham a few years ago, where he where he said that like, um, as we get more leverage, we're going to need to spend less money to get stuff done. And so you'll see these like teams of specialists come together to accomplish a purpose in a shorter shorter period of time and then break apart. And so I think like you can like it's it's like literally like you have monoliths going into microservices, you know, whatever. I I, I just kind of like had this instinct or this intuition. I don't know if it's actually going to be right or not, but um, that uh, the way to actually succeed in the future was to become more of a component that you could slot in for a particular task, a well-defined task, do your thing, and then hand it off to somebody else who might be the next type of specialist. Um, there were so many times in my, like, where I would, you know, I'd be like doing all this early stage, like at Gremlin, you know, when, when I was the first and only marketer in the door, there were so many things that I had never done before, or that I didn't even know that I was going to have to learn how to do that are like, and every startup is kind of like that, but I just had this awareness of like, there's, there's so many different types of people, types of talent that are required to get all these things up and running, that it's very rare to find one person who can do all of those things. And so having a more component-based model for that becomes much more economical and much more powerful for an early stage startup. And then the other thing is it de-risks you from a full-time employee perspective. And going back to the thing I said earlier is if like, it's really easy for engineers and product people to hire other engineers and other product people, it's not as easy for them to hire for marketing because they don't have any idea, which is one of the reasons why you see heads of marketing at startups being a terminal position that, you know, you make it one to two years and then you're done. And there's very few people, there's, there are very few excellent, excellent people 
who know how to stay the course longer than that. And they're good at two things. They're good, they're one good at generating revenue, but two, they also know the executive game that they're having to play. And that's one of those things that nobody's ever written down for you. You either get, you learn that basically via apprenticeship and exposure or not at all. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward in a way, but it makes a lot of sense that, you know, um, investing in a, in an expert that has a proven track record, like you do, that has, you know, case studies that has whatever, you know, uh, they can take that leap because it's not that far of a leap. Um, and then the engagements, like you say, you've structured your business model where it's a few month engagement. So it's a low commitment. Um, unlike hiring somebody, which is a, a, a you know, a, a commitment that should be taken very seriously. Um, and then if it's working, you can keep it going or you could choose to to part ways. And, and that gives a lot of flexibility that I think people that are trying to be, um, yeah, budget conscious and all those things, it, it, it provides them that breathing room that maybe they're, they're looking for nowadays. You have to be a company that has um, enough income and enough confidence in where they're at to say, you know what, we are going to invest in community and brand awareness and all this stuff that we know has value, but we can't really track it in the same way. But as a company becomes more and more tight with their budget, I think those things are the first things to start of be deprioritized de in preference for the things that we can actually track and see how it's generating revenue. And so where, where do you feel like market model fits into that broad spectrum from like, you know, literally doing like MQLs, whatever, all the way up to tweeting right at the highest level of just you know right where, where where do you slot in there my experience at like um my experience in board meetings has given me a really heavy bias on this um in that there are things that vcs get excited about from time to time um you know, like community has been one of those things where if you see community metrics going up into the right, you know, then there's a lot of excitement about that. Um, I've seen a lot of evidence where the, we saw like, I've seen up into the right community metrics in terms of growth, but no activity in the community and that not getting reported on. Um, and the only thing that, that, that it really comes down to in the, at the end of the day, the, the thing that solves all problems is, are you hitting your revenue targets? And if you're not, do you know why? And, and what are you doing about that? Um, that is really the only conversation that matters. One of my, um, somebody who mentored me a lot early on, his name's Kyle Pace. Um, he liked to say that, you know, if you don't think of, if you don't like to think of yourself as a numbers person, you're always going to be told what to do by people who are. Um, and I just found that to be really practical advice because, um, Whenever I've walked into a board meeting with like pipeline on the board, it was a really easy conversation for me to have. And when I had other things that were less tangible, it was never as easy of a conversation to have. But I don't think that totally answers your question because um, one of the things that, you know, like to pick on Gremlin some more that Gremlin really had in spades and, and thanks to you, uh, um, like your efforts and, and Tammy um, was the brand that that company had. Um, that brand was stellar. And 
you know, like I remember the, uh, the cost per lead that we had was really, really low while we were there. Like particularly compared to now, what I'm seeing with some of my clients, like a third is a third as much. And that was due to a couple of things. Um, one of which was like Facebook ads were cheaper then because the tracking was a little bit different because Apple, before Apple like neutered everything. But, um, but part of that was because people knew who we were because you guys had gone ahead and been like, Hey, we're gremlin. Everybody's like, Oh yeah. yeah. There was so much buzz around that company. Like it still feeds me in a lot of ways, you know, that, that yeah. halo effects. Gremlin to me is a really interesting use case because you, you remember, cause you were already there when I started working there about how I started working there because I was very. Um, oh yeah. I remember those emails. Yeah. I was bullish about wanting to get on board with it from a pure brand messaging perspective, which is, you know, what I can evaluate, uh, the potential there was very high. I mean, obviously there was validation from Colton being at big name companies like Netflix and Amazon and things like that. Um, but also they didn't seem afraid to lean in to what was making them buzzy, right? It's like the gremlin had sharp teeth and chaos engineering was like really a uh, provocative term and we made the tagline break things on purpose, like leaning into like the provocative things that make people stop and go, you know, what's that about? Like, this seems really interesting, but then having the pedigree to like back it up, right. It's not just like making waves to, to make waves. And when I think about, you know, I, I think they're finding their footing now. I, I haven't talked to those guys in a while, um, but their reaction to the sales piece, maybe not being exactly as good as they wanted, or maybe the product market fit, not being as good as they wanted was to dull those gremlin teeth and to remove the chaos language and to really soften everything to try to be more palatable. Um, and just now from the outside looking in, I, I think that's a mistake. I think that when I, when I first left gremlin, I was scratching my head too with like, why was the brand and the messaging so good? And then the product market fit didn't quite. I can talk to you about I have a real strong opinion about that. If you want to talk about that. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to say that the more I think about it, the more I think the marketing and the, and the brand got gremlin as far as it did in a lot of ways. Like if it didn't have that, there would have been no chance for, you know, I, I, the, the product market fit to happen. Like, I think that buzz, it, it's not a knock on marketing to say, wow, it got so much buzz. And then the product market fit didn't quite land. I think quite the opposite. Gremlin is still going and a lot of that was an initial catapult of marketing effort and brand equity that I think they still have. But uh, yeah, ha happy to hear your thoughts about what, what's going on there. So I, let's start with the point about the brand that you had. So one of the things that really makes a difference uh, when you're launching something is whether there's, there's pre-existing awareness in the market. And Netflix had already gone ahead and said, chaos, chaos monkey is a thing, right? And there were 5,000, 7,000 monthly searches for Chaos Monkey, you know? And so one of the things that we did um, with the help of my friend, John Henry at Growth Plays, like shout out to his SEO work, we own, we like created this really cool content thing that a lot of people contributed to, to own Chaos Monkey as a keyword. So we were number two right behind, you know, the docs, like we're never going to beat the GitHub doc or the, wherever the doc site was. Um and so there was already this awareness and there was no company that had taken that, right? And like similar in my early in my career, WP Engine, the first startup that I ever worked at, that was a, 
it was an established WordPress hosting space, but just this new take on it, this sort of like spicy take on it. And they'd change the product and stuff. And, and like, because there was a product market fit there, that was hyper growth, you know, cause Jason Cohen had done such a good job of validating that market. So Gremlin walked into this space that, that was this latent market, this latent buzzy space. Um, and your, your point was right. It's like, I sometimes jokingly call it like founder market fit. Like Colton was the perfect, is the perfect CEO for that product. Right. Um, and Forney, we gotta, I gotta, we gotta make sure we give Forney credit for that. Cause I know he built the, like a lot of the early product, you know? So, um, the, the thing that the, the thing that happened with Gremlin, um, is, and this is one of the things that I try and work with my early founders on when I, and I was talking earlier about the, um, you know, your, your market size for your investors versus like how you're getting to your revenue targets for the quarter or for the year is your ideal customer profile. So I remember one day, uh, like 18 months in, we were like, uh, pipeline what like I, we were starting to see the signs of like the growth wasn't keeping up with their trajectory that we've been on in year one in terms of all these big deals and so I, I sort of just absent-mindedly one day with our ops guy plugged in this query into zoom info and I was like how many SRE titles are at the types of you know companies with that fit our ICP which was like finance e-commerce and like travel with a certain amount of revenue and there were only a few thousand job titles in the world that right that fit that and so based on that query based on that icp i was like this is probably the entire user base that this company will ever have with the current product and so there's and and you'll see what gremlin has done now is they've actually taken the product and they've simplified it or made it more accessible to address that because what gremlin was sort of this product that if you already have like a 10 person SR, eight to 10 person SRE team, right? So that's, you know, $5 million in salary right there. Okay. And then you've already got whatever tooling that you've got for them, which is, you know, however many millions of dollars of tooling, then chaos engineering starts to become this other thing in there. And so when you think about that as a criteria to buy your product, how many companies have a $10 million SRE budget every year? Well, that narrows that down a lot. And so the addressable market of that product, this is, and this is my opinion, by the way, but I've, but I've seen this a lot. It's like, I jokingly call it like a cool kids problem um, where, yeah, Amazon, like, you know, there's, there's like this investment trend of like, Hey, everything's coming out of Amazon and Netflix. Like it's, it's only a matter of time until like that, you know, percolates down to the rest of the, you know, the, the unwashed, you know, like the, the normal, you know, rest of the market, like the rest of us, but it doesn't always because Amazon and Netflix problems and Google problems don't necessarily show up in less sophisticated types of environments. Yeah. And so I think, so I think, I think the insight from that Gremlin has really had is like, you know, repositioning that product a little bit. I don't think it was the brand issue. I think it was, you know, um, how high on the Maslow hierarchy of needs do you have to get as an engineering organization to want to get like, you know, to basically to buy a Peloton. There was, or there is, maybe this is an interesting discussion for us too. Um, the 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 top down versus bottom up conversation, which was happening then. I've always been a big believer in bottom up um, PLG as like a a topic of conversation is is obviously taking off. Um, 
I'm not sure it has to be either or. I think Datadog is one of the best examples when I was there of a company that, you know, was doing free trials, that was doing swipe your credit card and give it a whirl, but also had like a massive sales team in Boston, just, you know, making making calls um, mm -hmm. and, and trying to lock in big deals. So, um, but to do that, you have to have Datadog resources, right? I think if you're a startup and where Gremlin was and where some of my other clients are, is like, yeah, we'd love to do our big enterprise pitch and also spend, you know, 50% of our engineering resources building a more bottom-up friendly, frictionless thing with more immediate value, whatever, whatever. Um, but it's very hard to do both. And so you end up, or at least uh, some companies end up having to make the call, right? Like at least for now, what are we doing? Are we going after big fortune companies and trying to just close big enterprise deals? Or are we trying to make a nice, bottom-up frictionless um, flow where we know 90% are going to fall off or never pay us anything, but there's enough doing it that even if 10%, 20% stay on, we'll, we'll have a business going. Um, I, what, what do you think about, about that dichotomy between top-down and bottom-up and how, how companies should uh, approach it? You and I have always had like really fun disagreements, disagreements about this, um, and I was hoping we would talk about it today. I think that in order, I think that both are valid strategies. I think that product-led growth bottoms up is kind of having like it, it it's coming, it's sort of having like a, a disillusionment part of the hype cycle right now. Um, because of, you know, like a few years ago, it was like the VCs were like, here, do community, do, do product-led growth. And I, there's a couple of questions that I like to ask before, you know, like answering that is one, how pain, like, how painful is the, how painful is the need right now to solve? Um, and then, you know, two, how long, how long does it take you to get like value to see value out of it? And three, how much work do I have to do to see value out of something? And like, you can take Datadog as a great example, like Datadog's product, everybody needs some level of observability in a system. Okay. So, so there's a need for it, right? It's not a matter of do I, it's like, who do I, and then what do I? So that's that answers the first thing. Second thing is it's relatively lightweight and easy to install. It's not modifying your system. Okay. And then and then how quickly do you get insight from it? Pretty quickly, right? Like I can throw that in a staging environment and start seeing what's going on in a staging environment without much overhead. So so that I think lends itself to product-led growth, right? You know, if I can, if I can activate something and then get some value out of it pretty quickly. And if I already sort of understand my need for it, then it's great for product-led growth. But I think there's a good argument for especially startups in this like dev tech universe um, to say if if your product isn't answering yes to those questions, maybe it's not a prescient enough of a need to start a company around it, right? Like if if there isn't an addressable problem right now and you can't come up with a solution that makes it pretty easy for them to solve it, I'd, I'd be I'd be hesitant to start the company. That's my you know uh, view on it. But um, I'm sure there are plenty of you know top down companies crushing it right now. But I, I think for for net new companies anyway, like like tools that are entering this market, and it's a very crowded market. There's a lot of tools out there. Um, if if someone can just spin up your competitor and try it and get value quickly, and then for your offering, they have to go through this long bureaucratic cycle. Uh, I just think it's a tough, it's a tough pitch. 
I think you're right. I think that's actually part of the other insight. And this is part of where marketing ends up bleeding into product and product strategy all the time is um, marketing ends up being the, the people, unless you have an amazing product manager uh, or a founder who's like, it's usually a second time founder who asks a lot of these questions in my experience, but like uh, marketing is like, Hey, you know, when is this urgent? You know, when are you doing this? And then, and then they come back with, you know, and like how those answer those, those answers obviously affect messaging and positioning, but they should also inform the product roadmap too. Um, and so some of what I end up doing is a little bit of like, I pair up with the founders to, to interview like three to five of their customers. And I just go through this process. That's really easy to learn how to do to ask those questions. And then you invariably, uncover some like assumptions that were getting in the way of your business. Um, and you understand the types of people who are a good fit for that business in a way that you didn't before. Um, and it's like, it's that just, just asking those questions, everybody always like, you know, it's been, it's like a Silicon Valley cliche to like get out of the building, but actually doing it <laughs> makes a huge difference. Yeah, I agree. Well, so if a company is in, whether it's that early stage of, you know, they're, they're getting off the ground and they're looking for some, let's say marketing building blocks um, or the inverse, you know, they've, they've been doing things for a while. Maybe they're in between. They, they just like, Oh, they're head of marketing and they're looking for maybe a bridge between where they are and where they want to go. But what does it look like working with market model? You know, like uh, reach out to you, what, you know, we, we negotiate a, a price for the few months What's happening in those few months and what are the core things that you're trying to accomplish for the company? Yeah. So uh, the first thing I do is I just audit what they have um, and get a sense for what the founder's priorities are. Um, and the one of, one of my outcomes is to sort of like help the founders get more visibility and feel more control over what's happening. Cause usually uh, often if, you know, the, if they're getting rid of marketing, it's because they haven't understood what was happening. And if they're, if they haven't done marketing, they, they don't necessarily know where to start. Um, so I just try and align on those things. Um, and then there's like a handful of, of things, like things that I generally roll out in a different order is one, working with them to talk to their customers, um, to just go through those process just go through that process. We record the calls. Um, we debrief, we get insights, every call, um, validates or invalidates hypotheses. And then we, you know, we iterate on the, on the future ones. Um, what I'm looking for is to get to a, a really crisp problem statement about, um, what the company is actually doing for a very, uh, specific market of people. Um, so you you build a problem statement, you build a solution statement, um, which is a little bit different, different than messaging and positioning, but it informs all of that. And then I'll put together um, an ICP, an ideal customer profile matrix of like customers in different verticals, uh, different sizes, based on like technographic, firmographic, demographic, whatever criteria. So you're looking at, you know, uh, you know, DevOps teams in five billion dollar companies in finance who have the following types of problems. Um, another company I was I was working with was like app development teams in highly regulated industries who don't have, you know, who, um, who have a lot of bureaucratic red tape in order to get things done and need an all-in-one platform to ship these sort of out-of-the-way applications. Um, and you want to be able to say, 
at various stages, like you want to have these like uh, different segments of ideal customer profiles, and they should all have different annual revenue numbers attached to them. You should have expectations and assumptions about how long they take to close. So like something that's cheaper should take less time to close. Something that's more expensive should take more time to close. And then you take that and you build a financial model around it. Um, and then that serves as the thing that you can like orient your company around to say like, are we on track from a revenue perspective? Um, and, you know, like if we're not, is it because we're getting the dealer closing too slowly? We're getting the wrong people in the funnel. Are we doing the wrong marketing and sales activities? Um, so like, those are like the, the core things that I put together. And that invariably ends up um, feeding into stuff like launches or um, block and tackle product marketing work. And then, then what I do is I work with the founder to say like, now that we know all the following things about your business, or at least we have a framework starting place, because what I put together can and should evolve as the company starts to scale. Um, you know, based on what we know about the company now, what's the right profile of the of a full-time marketer marketer that you want to hire? Um, and then I help them do that as well. That sounds great. So if someone's interested and heard this and wants to check you out, where where can they find it? I'm at gomarketmodel.com and you can just email me. It's Austin at gomarketmodel.com. Well, very good. You know, I've I've worked with Austin uh in in the past and it was always a good, a good time. I think there's a lot of amazing work that was done at Gremlin where we work together. And uh, so feel free to hit him up. He told you where to find him. And uh, until next time, this is the 10K Media Podcast. Thanks for awesome. Thanks, dude.